Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. Welcome back, storytellers. We have a super fun edit today centered around creating new chapters of your life and more specifically around living simply, cutting back, being more of a minimalist, and even building and living in a tiny home. Yes, that's right. My guest today actually built her very own tiny home. And if you don't know what that is, we will find out very soon. And we'll also find out what it's like to live in minimal square footage just on your own in your little tiny home, but also what it feels like to flip the page, to try something new, to create a new chapter in your life at any age. But more importantly, we're going to learn this from season one podcast cast member and unapologetic speaker grad, my friend, Jessica Houston. I can't wait to catch up with her. So let's just bring her right on in and get started. Jessica, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, this is so exciting for me. I think let's just get started um, because it's been a minute or two. Why don't you kick things off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Who is Jessica Houston? Uh, Thanks, Anna. Um, I would say first and foremost, I'm a mom. So I have a 20 year old son who has since moved out and has left me as an empty nester. Um, So I'm quite proud of him and um, definitely would say that that's my first accomplishment. Um, I'm a life coach. I have my own pr- practice and glitter and gr- glitter and grace life coaching. And I like to help women um, as they're working through different challenges in their life, trying to figure out what they want to do with their next chapter. Um, I also work with this really cool program for seniors. Um, it's called the Senior S- Seniors Surrey Shares program. And basically what we do there is we support seniors in life skills and also storytelling something that you're familiar with. I know Anna. Um, I'm a big adventurer. I love camping, traveling, road trips, festivals, all kinds of anything. Um, I love treasure hunting. So uh, I love to go to vintage markets and garage sales and thrift stores and find whatever kinds of little treasures I can kind of find. And I love writing. So um, whether that's, you know, writing my blog for my tiny home or writing an adventure blog, which I have going on, or um, most recently just signing up to co-author a book with 20 other amazing women. So uh, that's kind of in a nutshell, kind of who I am. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big giant nutshell. <laughs> and I love it. I love all this stuff. And what I've always loved about you is just your sense of adventure. You just seem to have this like you could turn on a dime and just be in a whole new part of your life, a whole new chapter 
within a couple of months, really, it's quite inspiring for the rest of us who are <laughs> cooped up at home with small children, trying to raise them in the same house and the same monotonous schedule all the time. So it's fun really to watch your journey and watch you unfold into all of these dreams. Um, but speaking of <laughs> dreams and monotony, I wanted to start today by talking about this past year for you, but for all of us, really, COVID has been kind of a tremendous stripping back of what we all knew. And we've had to recreate our relationships, renew our relationship to ourselves, and really simplify our priorities. So let's start before we get into the tiny home, just talking about how this past year has reshaped you. Um, this past year has actually made me redefine who I am in a lot of ways because a lot of my favorite things and the things that I sort of um, do as hobbies or sort of pride myself on have been things that are taken away. So for example, traveling, like I usually go on three to four trips a year uh, minimally and then, you know, supplement with weekend trips and little road trips and stuff like that. And obviously with COVID that hasn't been allowed. Right. So that's been a big, big change for me. Um, also the concerts have been a huge change for me because I typically go, you know, to 10 to 12 concerts a year um, and I love live music. So to not have that available has been a big challenge. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had to kind of come up with some new things that I'm interested in and then try to um, keep myself busy and occupied while exploring different different things totally i yeah i forgot that about you too you are a travel bug like you're just always on the road you're on an airplane you're somewhere so that must have been a really huge shift for you yeah it has been actually um mm -hmm. and, and also kind of one of the reasons why i decided to do the tiny home right away um is for that reason because i feel like i'm always trying to um well, I've spent a lot of my time living life, waiting for the next vacation, waiting for the next getaway, waiting for the next oh, adventure. And so I kind of thought, you know what, what if I could build a life that I don't need to get away from as much? So that's sort of what's happened this year for me is if I can't go away, why do I need to go away all the time in the first place? And mm -hmm. can I do something that changes my lifestyle here so that I don't need to go away as much and I can still live like an adventurous lifestyle here? Yes, I love that. And I love that you've sort of embraced actually being grounded. And for you, simplifying your life became quite literal, actually. Yeah. Like we, we had this huge strip back and now this quite literal simplification. For you, it meant actually moving into a tiny home, which for so many of us actually feels like a dream. And I know lots of people are following along on your journey and with your blog, myself included. I want to know, how did you come to that idea for yourself? What made you decide not just to like, you know, buy an apartment and root down or buy a home somewhere or um, plant your feet, but actually build a tiny home. What made you go that route? Well, it, I guess it would say, I would say it started a few years ago. Um, I actually used to have quite a large home. I had um, a house that had four bedrooms and four bathrooms and it was just my son and I, and I was constantly spending my time cleaning and organizing and sorting and upgrading and maintaining and it just was uh it was a lot and I have a few health concerns as you know and mm -hmm. I just was finding I didn't have the energy to take care of a huge space so I knew at that time I needed to downsize and I needed to get into something a little bit smaller I just didn't know to what level I was able to do it because I had been in this huge space with all this stuff and I didn't know how small I'd be able to go so I started out by um 
actually selling the house and downsizing to a little cottage down in Crescent Beach, just as a rental. So I could see what it would be like to be in a smaller space and to move from uh, 2,600 square feet down to 1,000 square feet. So that was the first transition, um, which was, which was a great transition. And it was a good uh, stepping stone to move into the next level. So while I was there, I realized, okay, a thousand square feet, I can do this. Um, It's quite comfortable. I had all the things I really needed in life there. Um, but it's not sustainable because to live, for example, down in Crescent Beach, um, in a little cottage like that was $2,000 a month. Wow. Just for one person. So, you know, financially, it doesn't make a lot of sense to spend that kind of money, um, when it's just you. So I was trying to think, okay, well, what else could I do that would allow me to be in a smaller space with less stuff, less maintenance, but not so expensive. So I started looking at different ideas and tiny homes came up as a, as an idea. And of course I dove right into uh, tiny home nation and all the shows on TV yes. started obsessing about them and looking them all up and had a huge Pinterest um, board with all of the different designs and stuff. And then it was about um, two years ago, actually, that I went to a tiny home expo with a, a friend of mine. And we were popping in and out of all of the different little um, homes and seeing what we liked about each of them and what we didn't like about them and what we liked about the builders. And, and I found one builder that I just was really drawn to. And I ended up talking to them for over two hours and uh, decided at that time that if and when I'm ready to do the tiny home, they would be the, co- the company I would go with. Um, wow. So I stayed in touch with them and just can- continued to follow their journey as I was sort of determining when I would be ready. And then um, with a couple of changes that happened last summer with COVID and with everything going on, I just thought, you know what, it's, it's time. Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> so I decided I was going to start the process of building. That's incredible. So for our listeners out there who do not know what a tiny home is, I know I'm talking about it as if I know, and obviously, you know, but just describe for us in just a couple of minutes, like what the heck is a tiny home? So a tiny home is a home that is no longer than 42 feet and no wider than eight and a half feet wide. Um, it oh is on wheels. <laughs> so it's like me from my floor to like my ceiling in my office wide. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it, um, they come in all different sizes. 42 is the longest. I think the smallest is like 18. So it can be really, really small. Oh my um, and the maximum square footage you can have and still be considered a tiny home is 400 square feet. So that's basically um, the full 42 feet long and eight and a half feet wide. That's the longest you can go and um, still be considered a tiny home. So how many square footage, square footage, square feet is yours? Mine is 400. I went Four. to the, <laughs> the maximum amount <laughs> allowed for a tiny home. So mine has, uh, is 42 square feet. Uh, or sorry, 42 feet long, but it also has a loft above it, above it. Right. So half of my house has a loft above it as well. So I have a, a full size, full size bedroom, quote unquote, bed room. It's literally just a bed. <laughs> In a room. Yeah. In a room. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. There's like one centimeter on either side of the bed. To the and wall. is it like, is it a king size bed? Is it a queen size? Let's imagine this. 
So I actually, because I spend so much time in bed with various illnesses, I decided that a king size was really important to me. So I had the company restructure the bedroom so that they could fit a king size and they've never done a king size bed in a tiny home before, but it was really important. So they managed to make it work design wise. And then I was lucky enough to find a bed that um, is actually on hydraulics. So I can lift the entire footprint of my bed up and fill it with storage underneath and I have 13 inches of storage underneath so it that is fascinating to me so much storage underneath my bed and I can lift it up and the hydraulics keep it up so I can crawl underneath and get what I need and wow uh, yeah so that's my my bedroom and then the the bathroom I'm also a big proponent of hot baths I love hot baths <laughs> I've been following your journey with trying to get a hot bath but <laughs> So I didn't want to have a shower, which most tiny homes have. So I, um, I got them to rework the shower and the, and the bathroom a little bit. So now I have actually a standalone bathtub, which is one of my, my dream bathtubs. So I'm um, loving that. And then I have just a regular size kitchen and a teeny tiny little living room that's big enough for my couch and my TV and oh. my little things. And then upstairs is another bed. So there's a queen size bed up there. Um, that's for guests when they come over, a little bookshelf, a little reading nook. And that's kind of it. You have a guest bedroom in there? Yeah. Did I hear that right? Yes. Wow. I have a guest bedroom in my loft and my um, my bed also folds out to, or sorry, my couch also folds out to a bed as well. Oh so my goodness, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, so I have to ask you because this keeps popping into my mind as you're talking, Where's where does all the stuff go? Like under your bed, do you keep your clothes there? Like where's your wardrobe and shoes and all that? I imagine my drawers in my bathroom are like full of, I don't know, hair products and makeup and all kinds of stuff. Like just talk to me about stuff or simplification of stuff. So you have to go through the stuff before you bring it over. <laughs> I don't think all your stuff would fit in here, Anna. <laughs> Definitely not. Go through and uh, pare down. So I did a few pare downs, actually probably about five. Um, because you go through the first time and you think, okay, this is the stuff I don't want anymore. And then you go through it again and you think, what do I need out of this mm -hmm. remaining stuff? And then out of the needs, you go through it again and you think, okay, <laughs> now I only have closets that are three feet uh, wide, mm -hmm. two, two small closets that are three feet wide. So I had to figure out a way that um, I could bring over the stuff that I really wanted to keep and the stuff that I really wanted to have. So what I did was I actually put um, bins underneath the bed for my summer stuff mm. and for seasonal stuff that I don't use all the time. And then the rest of it lives in the two small closets. And I also built a little, um, it kind of looks like a bookshelf, but I basically have folded up clothes on that underneath the clothes that are hanging. So you just get creative and you come up with different ways of yeah. kind of putting everything in there. Uh, for me, the biggest one was actually the bathroom stuff. For some reason, I have like mountains of yeah. just product. Me too. <laughs> yes. Why, what is it about bathroom product though? I don't understand. Is it just that we buy it and then we don't use it at a fast enough pace? Is that, and then I just feel bad throwing it out, even though it's probably expired. Like, what is it with bathroom stuff? So. Yeah, I think so. And then you get gifts and you get, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I went through it again, same thing with like the clothes, probably four or five times and then moved in here and went, Ooh, I still don't have enough space. So I ended up having to build, um, a whole nother, um, like a whole nother, um, counter, not counter, sorry, cupboard area so that I could fit more product in wow. because I didn't have enough space. 
Okay. This is like inter- so interesting though, because I, I mean, COVID has just thrown everybody for a loop, I think with kids at home all the time. And then homeschooling, I had my kids doing school down in my office. I still have like mess in my office from like when we used to podcast in here like a year ago, like still just like name cards and stuff hanging around. But I love this process for you um, that you're sharing, which is like, what, first of all, what do I want? Then out of that, what do I need? Then out of those needs again, it's like, but do I really want it? And then again, do I really need it? Like, this is the, this is Jessica Houston's new Marie Kondo method. I think you can sell that. (laughs) That's brilliant. And then you do one more because when you move everything into the tiny home, you look at the actual space that you have, right? Because before it was just a vision. Like, what do I think I'll have space for? Right. And I'm like, what do I actually have space for? What do I actually have places for? So, so of the things, sorry, I'm cutting you off here, but I'm, I feel like I'm so fascinated by this. I'm going to, I have to ask. So other than clothes and like bathroom and the essentials, what are the things that you found you just needed to have? Like on that leftover shelf space, what were those kind of like, maybe, no, I actually, the question is, what did you want to keep? What was left after all that for you? Well, for me, part of I mentioned earlier, I love treasure hunting and I love vintage items and stuff. So I have a lot of little collections of things that I've collected along the way. And I wanted to keep those items because that's sort of my personality and who I am. And a lot of them are um, antiques and I don't want to get rid of them. So I had to create space for some of those things. Like I collect um, Coca-Cola bottles and like older um, vintage items, old, old Coke cans and stuff like that. So I wanted to keep those things. I really wanted to keep, I have a really old um, school locker. Oh, neat. Like, yeah, it's about seven feet tall and it's, I've had it for probably about 10 years and I love it. So I wanted to find a way to incorporate that in here as well. Um, so I actually put that in my bathroom and I actually bought these little um, boxes that I put my shoes in and they just fit stacked on top of each other. So all my shoes are in the locker and you just pull out the box you need and then the, the rest of them just kind of fall down. Wow. So you know, you incorporate the things in that are really important to you. So I think for me, it was just keeping, keeping all of my little knickknacks and all my little vintage stuff that I've gathered from all over the place. I find this really interesting too, because it's almost like what you're describing is like when you pare it down and whether or not you move into a tiny home or not, but you're simplifying, you're becoming more minimalist. You're almost like you kept the things that you identified with that helped shape who you are mm-hmm. and your personality that was the most important to you among obviously the essentials was keeping who you are and your personality and your identity and, and what defines you in a way Mm -hmm. that's incredibly intriguing to me. Tell me kind of what the process was. Maybe let's go there a little bit. The depth of figuring out who you are in this process, that big, who am I question for you? I think that probably starts when you're just designing the tiny home or just designing the idea of what you kind of want because it is a lot of like, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? You know, what, what do you see yourself doing in the house? What do you see yourself doing in the space? And then making that kind of come to fruition. So for example, this idea has been floating in my head for quite a few years. So even on my last trip to Bali, which was about two years ago, I already knew in my head that I'd be getting a tiny home eventually. So I bought things for the tiny home on that trip specifically. So I had an idea that I wanted a space where I could sit and do some meditation and I could sit and just relax and just be um, 
comfortable in my space. So I bought little things that would um, help make that space really warm and inviting and remind me of my travels as well. So you just kind of incorporate the things that are important to you and build it into the space and into your life. I love it. And you mentioned the word comfortable. So I'm going to ask you, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a small space. It's a very mm-hmm. small space with one centimeter on either side of your bed. Is it actually comfortable? And, you know, talk to us about the comfort, but also talk to us about maybe some of the things you're learning along the way that are a little uncomfortable about this kind of life. So for me, it's only, it's just me in the house right now. So for me, it's tons of space. Like I really don't need more than what I have. And in fact, I don't even use the upstairs very often. Like I think I've been up there twice since I've moved in. Oh, wow. (laughs) I don't need the upstairs technically, but it'll be nice when I have guests over if somebody wants to spend the night that they can have their own space. And once it's kind of set up up there a little bit better, um, I'll be able to use that space a little bit more. Right now it's got all my office stuff in it and my office stuff will actually be going into um, my bowler, which is a little egg trailer um, that I'm going to be putting on the property as well. And that will become the office. So once that happens, I'll have that upper space free and clear to use for whatever I need. Um, as far as things that I've learned along the way, well, there, <laughs> there have been some learning curves. <laughs> I moved in uh, the last week of January and a week later, um, we decided to have snow and um, a really cold snap. So I learned really quickly about freezing water and mm-hmm. um, freezing water underground and the lines and how they all get out to the tiny home and how um, even though you might have a heated hose and all the things you're supposed to do sometimes there's just going to be things that are outside of your control so I actually had no water here for over a week oh wow yeah because all of the water lines under underground froze so that was an interesting experience um figuring out how to get the hot water hot was another really interesting experience that um, ended up resulting in a couple of baths that were done like pioneer style where you're like (laughs) filling up the buckets and boiling the water and bringing it over to the hot to the tub Um, which wasn't kind of what I had pictured when I thought about moving into a tiny home but you have to go with the flow and (laughs) you know live as you learn yeah that's been a big one Um, adjusting to the toilet is another one um because I have a composting toilet so um yeah so it's really interesting because the toilet actually separates the solids from the liquids oh okay (laughs) we'll just imagine that yep (laughs) just the way that it's set up it just that's the way it goes and so you have to empty them so the liquid one um gets filled up about once a week it has to be emptied and then the solids you actually fill the toilet with peat moss and then um mm-hmm, i know there's no water it doesn't yeah. there's no water that goes to the toilet so the, the base is filled with peat moss my and eyes I, just went as big as dinner plates <laughs> by the way that's what, that's what she's reacting to here <laughs> after um about a month of using the toilet um you basically empty the entire contents out and it either can go into a composter into the garbage or wherever you want to put it but wow um, so this feels to me like maybe I'm wrong but does this because I've been camping in an RV or a trailer is this what life in a tiny home would feel like as living kind of in an RV or is that just your experience based on the property you're on it really depends on where you're putting the tiny home like if I was putting the tiny home on a city property and I had um sewage and all those things hooked up out here I could actually have just a regular toilet I see 
but because I'm not in a situation where I'm connected to those things, I don't have sewage. So I had to look at the other options, which is the composting toilet. This is so incredibly brave, Jessica. I just cannot believe that you, I mean, I'm always in awe of you and just your sense of adventure. Like you'll just wrap your arms around life. And even with, as you say, these kind of other hardships and challenges that you have in your life, you're still just prepared to say, I've got this on my own. I'm going to stand on my own two feet. I'm going to compost my own toilet. Like this is, I, I just, I'm in awe of you. I think that's really quite brave. Does it feel brave to you to be doing all this on your own at um, any time know. of the day? Really, <laughs> it, it has had its moments where, you know, there's a, there was a couple times where I couldn't get the water working at all. And this was before the deep freeze. Um, and I was out there and I was tinkering and trying to figure things out and I'd get it working and I'd come back in and I'd have this huge, massive adrenaline rush because it was like, I fixed it. You know, yeah. I, I was able to figure it out. Um, recently I had a problem with the washing machine, um, because there's only so much electricity back to where I am. So I have to be really careful to not have the washing machine on with other things because I don't, I'll draw too much electricity and, um, flip the breaker. And so, you know, it's just trying to learn all of those things and to learn like, what is the maximum load you can kind of have before things will flip and what to do when it does flip. And yeah, so there's been, it's been a learning experience and there sure is going to be a lot more to learn, but I um, bet. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's been actually pretty smooth. So. Mm. And I, I love to, because you and I were talking earlier before we started recording that your life coaching business has kind of evolved as it, kind of in parallel to this part of your life in determining who you are. What does my next chapter look like? Now in your life coaching business, you're opening programs, really teaching people how to find out who they are how to find out how to really start to define and create boundaries around the next chapter of their life and stand on, I think their own two feet. I presume mm -hmm. that may be the goal, but talk to me about how this is translating all of these kind of these personal learnings. How are they translating into your business with between you and your clients? Well, I think, I think it's, it's beneficial because I've had to go through this step a few times in my life, right? Where we, we finish up one chapter of our life and we kind of, want to look and see, well, what do we want for the next chapter? And sometimes it's very similar to what we've just closed off. And other times it can be a complete change. And what I'm finding right now with COVID is that a lot of people are reevaluating what they want out of their life. So, you know, when things get back to normal, do they want to go back to what they were doing before? Do they want to be commuting? Do they want to stay in the relationship that they're in? Do they want to pick up new hobbies because maybe the ones they had before are no longer? Do they want um, to move somewhere else or do they want to stay in the lower mainland there's a lot of people redefining what they want out of their own lives and so I, I'm finding that I'm getting clients that are coming in that are saying help me figure out what I want I don't know what I want I know what I have right now isn't working but wow. I don't know exactly what I want for the next chapter so it's been really fun to help them kind of identify you know this is who you are right now and who do you want to be for this next chapter and what do you want your life to look like and then what are the steps you need to take in order to get there brilliant yeah, so it's been it's been really fun and really um, rewarding to see people kind of come through this and be able to make a huge transition in their life. I bet because it almost feels like, you know, maybe I'm making the parallel here because I like connections to things. But what do you need? What do you want? What do you need? What do you want? And really paring it down on, in this kind of Jessica curated process in order to figure out who you really are. Yeah, very similar to paring down what you need to go into the tiny home, right? It's and amazing. Just, 
it's a lot of visualizing, visualizing for me, you know, if you close your eyes and you sit there and you think for a minute, what do you really want your life to look like? You know, what are the things that bring you the greatest joy? What are the things that bring you peace? What are the things that bring you satisfaction that liven you up, that make you feel like getting out of bed in the morning? And -hmm. if you can picture that lifestyle and picture what that's supposed to look like for you, because it will be different for each person, then it's easy for me to come in and help you create a plan around that. Um, Yeah. So it's been really, it's been really cool to be able to help people visualize what they want and then to sort of look at what they have right now. And exactly like you said, with the paring down with the the stuff, um, what do you need? What do you want? And, and how do we get to where you want to be? That's so great. So you have a new coaching program coming up. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that, what it, what it's called and what people can expect from that program. Yeah, so it's a three month program. And basically what happens is you'd come in and we would do an assessment to sort of figure out where you're at right now in your life. And then we would work together over the next 12 months, 12 weeks, and sort of identify what it is you want out of your next chapter in your life. So I called it the next chapter, because I think it's really important that we keep writing our own stories and that we don't just stop with where we're at. Um, and I think that once you identify what you want out of the next chapter, then creating the steps to actually get there is kind of the easy part. So we work together over the three months to figure out what you want and then build the steps and the action plans around that so that you can start actually getting to where you want. So it's, um, yeah, it's been really fun. I have a, a few clients already going through the process right now. So I've been able to sort of see what's working and what's not just like, you know, you do your own audits as you go along when you're creating a new program and great. Um, yeah, something I'm pretty excited about. So I bet. So if somebody wanted to sign up with, is this a group program or they come in privately with you and work through their own stuff with you? How does that work? What's the experience of it for the client? It's a private program. So it's once a week and it is, um, I'd say about 90 minutes for each session. And so it's for 12 weeks. And then on top of that, they get access to any emails or text messages or um, worksheets or exercises or anything that I have in my arsenal belt um, that I can offer them. They have access to all of that as well for the whole time that we're together. And usually afterwards, I just carry that forward um, just to, to offer out to people if they need extra support. So hmm, I love that. So they can start with you anytime then there isn't an official start date. Yeah, they can start anytime. And I usually go for three months with each person. That's what the program's designed for, because I find that three months is a really good time to actually sort of really dig your, your teeth into something and, and make some actual changes. Mm-hmm. I have had people that want to stay on longer than three months. So then we just do another three months. Um, but it's certainly not required. And it's up to each person individually if they want to continue on or if they're happy with the results that they got after the first three months. That is so cool. So what would you say if I said, what, what's kind of the biggest piece of advice that you would have for somebody who is navigating a major life transition or starting a new chapter in their life? What is that key piece of advice besides obviously visiting your website and signing up for your program? (laughs) What would you say to our listeners about the most important and critical piece of your new chapter? I think it is identifying if you need help or not. So some people, they might be able to take a look and they might be able to say, okay, this is what I want for my next chapter. And I know all the steps to get there. And in that case, awesome, that's great. Like maybe you don't need extra support, but there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to do that, to, how to put the steps into place. 
So I would say that the biggest piece of advice I can give is whether it's me or another coach or a friend or a family member or somebody that can help you reach out to someone that can support you in that change because change is not, it's not easy mm -hmm. and we need support often. Right. So, um, it would be to reach out to somebody to get that support and to really have somebody help you hold, hold yourself accountable to the changes. So, yeah. so that you don't slip back. So you don't slip back and so that you keep moving forward mm. because it's easy to go back to what we know. Right. But when we don't know something, if it's new and it's unfamiliar territory, it's harder for us to step into that space, especially if we're alone. Mm -hmm. So it's finding that support team or that support person that can really, really help you with that. And based on your experience, or maybe just like a hypothetical with your clients, if somebody is thinking, is it my time to take a big step? Is it my time to turn the page and start a new chapter? What might they be feeling in that space? If somebody listening is thinking, I wonder if it's, if it's my time, is it that feeling of being frustrated and angry and stuck? What is it that fuels the desire to turn over a new leaf? What I've learned in the past year, I would say, is that it all kind of relates back to somebody's values. So what I'm finding is that when people come to me and they're feeling like they aren't happy and they're, they're not satisfied with where they're at in their life, when we sit down and do a simple values exercise to identify what their values are, and then we compare their life to what those values are, usually their life is not in alignment with those values. Mm -hmm. And if that's the situation that you're in, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, my values are X, Y, and Z, but my life is A, B, and C, and they're not matching at all, that's when you know it's time for a change or transition. Um, if you're feeling like that, you might feel things like some anxiety, you might feel like an uncertainness in your, in your, um, just in your day-to-day -day transactions, you might feel withdrawn, you might be pulling away from people, mm -hmm. you might, um, start feeling a little bit depressed, or you might feel a little bit lower in energy and mood than you normally do. Um, those are typically some signs that you're feeling a little bit unsettled with where things are at in your life and that maybe it's time for a change or a refresh or a, a redirection. That is such good advice, Jessica. Like exactly right. I think this values alignment, right? If those are your values, if you don't know what your values are, how is it possible to assess whether or not your life is actually on track or whether you're in the right chapter? And I, I don't think there's any, ever any accidents in life. I think that's you know, it's something that we come across and we start to learn things and we pick up information around that supports our next decision. But um, what a great exercise, even just to move through, what the heck do I care about? Again, what do I want? What do I need? What's important to me? What are these values? And how do I make my life align with that? That's really, really beautiful advice. So if anyone out there feels that way, that anxiety, that misalignment to maybe who you really are, sounds like it's be a beautiful program. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's, um, I actually use the analogy, a friend of mine was asking about it recently. And I told her, you know, our values are similar to like an electrical panel, where if you were to look at your values, and you feel like something's out, you don't know exactly what it is. It's like the electrical panel, you go and you run your fingers down until you find the one that's out of alignment, and then you reset it. So it's the same kind of thing. So if you are feeling that way and you don't know why, make a list of what's really important to you. Make a list of your values and then take a look at it and see which one's not in alignment right now. And once you identify which one's out of alignment, then you'll know what kind of steps you need to take in order to bring yourself back into alignment. Genius. So, I love that. What a great yeah. analogy and, and very much aligned with your tiny home process as well. 
It is. Why, yeah. isn't, the, why isn't the water working? <laughs> why isn't the electricity working? <laughs> I'm going to circle back to the tiny home thing a bit more because I'm fascinated by it. But I had this kind of crop up as you were talking here about being aligned in your home as you are right now with this new plan and this new chapter. Do you feel aligned now personally? Do you feel like you've arrived at that place where simplifying and being more minimal and pulling back to who you are and aligning it with all the things that you love and enjoy, the knickknacks? Do you feel like this is this is you now? You've really rooted into that alignment with value? I do. Yeah. It's actually the first time in years that I can say that I feel completely aligned with where I'm supposed to be in my life. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, I've had, you know, (laughs) had a a few interesting years, so it's been, um, it's been a journey, but I really, really feel like this lifestyle is going to give me a freedom that I've never experienced before. Mm. Um, I mean, just thinking just financially, right. When you think about someone's finances and I'm very fortunate that I was in a situation that I was able to save up enough money to buy the tiny home straight out, Mm -hmm. because that is one of the concerns. And one of the challenges for people that are looking at tiny homes is that there is only one or two places that will provide financing. So people can't just go into it if they don't have the money put aside. Very interesting. Okay. So that's one big piece, but what going tiny for me means financially is that I mean, my living expenses were cut in, in, in four. <laughs> so I'm paying wow. a quarter of what I used to pay in living expenses. And what that means is that, A, I don't have to work as many hours in order to meet what I need. I can continue working beyond that because I want to and because mm-hmm. I like to and I enjoy to, but not because I need to. So that makes a big difference. And then two, um, my additional spending money has grown exponentially, which means I have more time and more money to go traveling. I have more time and more money to do the adventures, to do the road trips, to do all the stuff that I love to do. Of course, when COVID is I was going to say that bank account is probably piling up right now. (laughs) You know, I'll have the space in my life and the means to do the things that are really important to me that I love to do. So instead of having to wait for one or two vacations through the year, I can take vacations as I want to and as I need to because I've built a life that allows for that. So it's, it's the lifestyle, not just the house. Oh, I love that. And I love that you're carving out kind of rest boundaries for yourself as well, that you don't have to push your body and your mind to limits that were potentially challenging and hurting you before. I mean, you mentioned that you have health concerns and illnesses. You and I have talked a lot about just depression in general and what that can do to one's mind, body, and soul. Mm -hmm. Um, I love this for you around boundaries and rest boundaries has the, no, what I want to ask is what would you say to our audience about um, boundaries, clear boundaries for oneself around values? Um, I think it's, it, it, uh, I think boundaries really come down to self-worth and how you feel about yourself, right? If you don't have good self-esteem or if you don't feel um, good about where you're at in your life, it's a lot easier to let people sort of push you around and tell you what to do and sort of guide you because you, you're not sure yourself. Mm-hmm. So once you get really clear on who you are as a person and what you want, it's easier to set those boundaries and to be really firm on them. Um, so that's part of the process is really learning who you are, what is important to you, what is not important to you, who's important to you, uh, what 
you're willing to sort of live with and what you're not, and then to set boundaries around those things that you're not and things that aren't working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it comes down again to yeah, self-worth and, and um, respecting yourself enough to walk away from the things that don't align with you. Mm, I love that so much. Um, this has been such a beautiful conversation. I hate to even have to wrap it up. I could talk about tiny homes all day long. Um, I feel like people are going to have a lot of questions and they're going to want to follow you. So where can they find information about your journey with the tiny home, but more importantly, your uh, new chapters program, where can they find you? Um, probably the easiest is to go to my website, which is glitterandgrace.com. Glitter and Grace, A-N-D. No, with an N in between. So glitter and grace. The letter N. Perfect. Glitter and grace.com. Yep. That's probably the easiest. I'm also on social media, um, Facebook and Instagram. And I'll actually attach a link in on my website to my blog for the tiny home as well. Great. Um, I have a link on there right now for my um, travel blog, but I don't have one for the tiny home blog yet. So I'll add that on right away so people can follow along. Um, and if anybody has any questions about going tiny or about the process or, you know, if you're interested or can want to know more about it, um, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to talk about it. It's quite a, a big change, I think, in the world right now. And I think we're going to see a lot more people moving into this lifestyle really quickly. Yeah, I I don't disagree with you. I think this has been a major shift in consciousness for all of us, I think, and having to reprioritize, realign, figure out what's important, figure out who we really are, because a lot of who we were was just taken from us and stripped away and removed in such a big way with COVID and even just relationships in general. And anyway, travel, concerts, as you mentioned, so much stuff. So I really appreciate this conversation. I think it's packed with wisdom. So thank you for all of that. Um, I do hope people get value from this conversation, but any final words, any last words about new chapters, tiny homes or realigning? Um, I think just, I guess my, my two cents would be just to really give yourself the time, sit down and think about what, where you're at right now in your life. And if you're completely happy with where you're at and if you are amazing, kudos to you and keep moving forward and maybe support others on their, their journey. But yeah. If you're not, <laughs> tell me, write me a letter and tell me. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're not, and you're not alone, if you're not, um, do something to change it, do something, anything at all to change it. It doesn't have to be a monumental change overnight. It can be something just super, super little, but one little change will lead to more little changes, which will lead to a big change. So Mm. Um, just start with one millimeter and move from there and, um, and just move forward. I love it. Thank you, Jessica, so much for sharing that path. Again, unapologetic stories. It's all about how we link all of those stories together, all of that learning and arrive at this beautiful, deeper purpose, which it sounds like you have. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Anna. Well, that was such a fun conversation and I mean, I know I just said this, but holy moly, packed with advice, packed with wisdom about new chapters. And is there anything cooler truly than these tiny homes? I'm just so fascinated by them. I don't know if you are as fascinated as I am, but I'm loving this kind of conversation about realignment to values. And so I thought for my Secrets Are Out segment, I would talk a little bit about how I really determined what my values were how to align with those values and how to really step into, I think what I believe now is my purpose, um, doing what I love in this storytelling realm. And I will tell you this, that there's one thing that I always come back to, and it is a feeling more than anything else. It's just a feeling. How do I feel 
in this moment? How do I feel leading up to this moment? And more importantly, how do I feel after this moment? So I used to do this in therapy way back when, uh, probably not that long ago, but behavioral activation. And I've talked about this before, but I'm going to talk about it again. When you do a behavior, when you do an action or an activity, it's really important to check in after that activity and ask yourself, how did that feel? And not just ask yourself, how did it feel, but also document for yourself, how did that feel? So for example, if you wake up in the morning and you decide to go for a run, go for your run, come back, check in, write in your journey or journal, how did that actually feel for me after I did it? The more that you start to cement that pattern behavior, the more you start to reinforce for yourself how the action or the behavior makes you feel, the more you will start to see which activities are joyful, what works for you in your mind, body, and soul, and you'll start to actually just do more of them. And all of these activities, behavioral activities, are best when you check in before, check in before, right? What am I about to do and how do I feel about doing it? Am I groaning? Am I moaning? Am I upset about it? Do I really not want to do it? Or am I excited to do it? That's something I think about every day in my work. Am I excited to get up and do this thing, to record this podcast or to write this piece of material or write this story? How do I feel before? As I'm doing it, as I'm going through it, does it feel like a uh, I'm kind of slogging through it? Does it feel like I'm enjoying the process? And then afterwards, do I feel a sense of accomplishment around that? Was it enjoyable? Was it interesting? So all of these questions are good to kind of realign with what you love to do, but start checking in day to day. Does this feel good? Does it not feel good? Does it feel good? Does it not feel good? And as Jessica said, maybe it's time to ask yourself if you need to try something new. Just try something new. Go out on a new adventure. Well, thank you for listening today, storytellers. I thought that was a super fun episode, a nice upbeat one for us. Uh, keep in touch, subscribe, leave a review, and thank you again for listening. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth.